Welcome to the Logistics of Logistics, a podcast dedicated to exploring how things get places and the people who get them there. We'll talk with logistics and supply chain leaders about innovation, industry trends, and the future of the logistics business. Now, here's your host, Joe Lynch. Hello, friends. Welcome to the Logistics of Logistics podcast. My name is Joe Lynch. Thank you so much for joining us today. Today's topic is discussing the Freight Tech 25 with my friend, Andrew Cox. Welcome, Andrew. Hey, Joe. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Thank you. So I'm thinking six months ago, I started talking to Kevin Hill and he kept saying, you have to meet Andrew Cox. You have to meet Andrew Cox. It was over at Freight Waves. And Finally, I got to meet Andrew, oh, I'm thinking maybe a few months ago, we talked about automotive for an hour or so, automotive supply chain and logistics. And recently, I asked the people over at FreightWaves, who should I talk to about the Freight Tech 25? And we'll get into what that is in a minute. And they all said, you got to talk to Andrew. He's the guy in charge of Freight Tech 25. So this is an awesome topic. Welcome, Andrew. Please introduce yourself and your company. Sure. I am Andrew Cox. I work for Freight Waves. My official title is research analyst, but it's kind of changing. We can get into that here in a moment. The things at Freight Waves, you wear a lot of hats at a startup, so my roles change quite often. But overall, I am a research analyst. That's what I've been doing since I got to Freight Waves. I actually interned with Freight Waves before graduating. So I got an internship here at October of 2018 and then started full-time just after graduation in June and then been here ever since. So I've been writing research for the last year and a half, learning, unlearning, and relearning freight and logistics. And you're down in Chattanooga? I am, yes. I'm, I was born and raised in Nashville, Tennessee, but moved down here for school. I went to the University of Tennessee in Chattanooga, studied economics and entrepreneurship, and then, yeah, been here ever since. Nice. So you grew up in Nashville. Um, tell us a little bit about your growing up, and then where'd you go to school? And then uh, I think you already hit on that. And then let's get into some career highlights before you join Freight Waves. Sure. So I went to a private high school in Nashville, Catholic boy growing up. So I went to Father Ryan High School. Uh, go Irish to any of anybody out there listening. And I grew up in a pretty tight family. I'm one of three children. I'm the youngest by a long shot. So I've got a brother that's 15 years older than me and a sister that's 18 years older than me. So I was a bit of a blessing or surprise, however you want to label it. But I basically have two sets of parents. I've grown up with an older set that doesn't really understand anything that's going on in my world, but can give me good life lessons. And then I have this younger set that can't do much on the life lessons part, but can help me out with what's going on in the world. Yeah. And they're too old to really pick on you. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, that's true. (laughs) That's great. So where'd you go to school? College? I went to Father Ryan High School in Nashville and then to the University of Tennessee at Chattanooga. Nice, nice. So is that affiliated with the volunteers then? It is. It's part of the same Tennessee network of schools, but it's its own university, its own charter, but it's part of the University of Tennessee school system. Oh, nice. So I, I kind of did the same thing. I went to University of Michigan for my master's degree, and that was it. I went to the Dearborn campus, which is about 40 minutes away from the Ann Arbor campus. And it's not exactly the same environment, but it's pretty cool. <laughs> Yeah, Chattanooga is a great city to live in, and I never, ever wanted to live in Knoxville for four or five years, so I decided, uh, my basically, I needed to stay in state, right, for the in-state tuition, and I just picked what is the best city I can live in for the next four or five years, and Chattanooga was an overwhelming, easy decision. Cool, cool. So, when did you join Freight Waves? I joined Freight Waves October of 2018. I was employee number, I think, 62 or 63. Right now, we're at like a buck 60 or a buck 70, so I'm a, a veteran here at Freight Waves. So what made you decide to join Freight Waves of all the companies out there? Oh, I got lucky. I had an internship just fall in my lap 
through my thesis director. So I was in the honors college at Freight Waves and I was doing a thesis on how we can save money for the city. At the time, I was working for the public works department through an internship. So I was, there's this program of how we can save the city money by advancing our tech stack and our fleets. I won't get into too much of that, but my thesis director is a good friend of our former CFO. So the CFO reached out to my thesis director and said, hey, is there anybody in your business program that you would think could work at Freight Waves that would make for a good intern? And he suggested me. And then it, it, I had one interview and, it, and all of a sudden I was working at Freight Waves. Well, I know just from talking to people over Freight Waves, people think very highly of you. So I'm really glad to have you on the podcast. So today's topic is the Freight Tech 25. And first off, Andrew, just I know a lot of people are going to say, I know all about that. I read it, all that. For anyone who doesn't know what that is, what is the Freight Tech 25 that Freight Waves created? So the Freight Tech 25 is an internal industry-driven perception, right? Perception of the most innovative companies in the industry. So it starts, we ask the the entire industry for nominations. We then get those nominations and we go through a process that we use only industry executives, industry experts, and people with distinct freight tech knowledge to be able to determine who are the most innovative companies in the country. Nice, nice. So how long has it been around for? So it's been around for three years. I took it over this year. I had a hand in it last year, but I was kind of the main point runner this year. And so it's been around for three years. We do it kind of on a next year basis. So the first year that we actually did the nomination and the process was in 2018, but it was labeled the 2019 Freight Tech 25. And then last year would have been the 2020. And this year, which we just completed at our most recent virtual events, the Freight Waves Live at Home event, that was the 2021 Freight Tech 25. Right. So describe the Freight Tech 100 also, if you don't mind. Right. So the, the Freight Tech 100 is determined by Freight Waves people. So we, I'll just explain the whole process. I yeah, think that'd this be great. Be the best. Right. So we start by the process of the midsummer. We start requesting nominations from anybody in the industry. So it's an open invite to anybody that wants to nominate a company. You can nominate your own company or you can nominate someone else. We have both sides of the coin. People typically nominate themselves and somebody else. But so you'll go through the nomination process. You'll give us some information about why you think this company deserves to be in the Freight Tech 100 or the Freight Tech 25. And then we'll, we'll, we have the nominations open for several months. Each year that I've been involved with it, we've had over a thousand nominations. We've had over 250 companies nominated each year. So then there's a process of Freight Waves people. So we take data analysts, we take researchers, writers, analysts, everybody here at Freight Waves that knows about the freight tech industry. We then whittle that number down to 100. And then we send that list of 100 off to a group of very diversified group of judges. This year we had over 80. And these range from analysts to researchers to company founders to company execs, as well as investors. So we then those 80 group of judges vote and rank their own list, one to 100, then all that information is sent to an accounting firm to make sure that everything is completely ethical and done correctly, that every voter only gets one vote. And then they tally up all the votes and we determine and they rank them in order one through 25. And then we release that to the public. We have 26 through 100, but we don't release it to the public, but we have the top 25. That's how the Freight Tech 25 is created. And before that's even done, when we send it off to them, that is how the 100 is created. Right. I got to think, so let me ask, maybe I'll just ask this question. So everybody in I'll say the freight tech world, everyone in the freight world, it seems, would kind of make a pilgrimage at some point, either to a either Chattanooga to see the guys at Freight Waves or to one of your many conferences. Were there when you get to that list, the Freight Tech 100, is there any surprises on there that you go, we've never heard of these guys? 
not for me because I, I kind of have a tight and I, you know, I know all these companies well because I have to, you know, sometimes I have to fill in some of the nomination forms if they're not completely filled out. So I have a deep understanding of most of these companies. But let's say Craig, for example, who Craig Fuller, our CEO, he does the award ceremony with me. He did it at the Freight Waves Live at home. It was a complete surprise to him. We didn't know, both of us didn't know what companies had won the top 25. It's completely done by someone else. So there's, it's very ethical. We don't know the results until it's up on the screen. And there was a few companies. Actually, I think there was only one that Craig hadn't never heard of, and that was Six River Systems. And we'll get into some of the themes and trends of the list this year, but that was definitely one of them. It was warehouse automation has finally kind of arrived. I just met the Six Rivers over the summer. And yeah, a very impressive story. And we'll get to that in a minute. But I was like, how have I not heard of you? So you guys have more or less heard of most of these companies. So there's really no surprise in terms of yeah, they made the Freight Tech 100. But to your point, they're still voting. And, you know, who ends up in that top 25 is kind of separate from you're not uh, deciding by fiat. So anyway, let's talk. We've talked a little bit about the process. Let's talk about some of I don't want to just list the top 25. I'll put a link to that in the show notes. But let's talk about just some of these companies. Let's talk about some of the themes and the trends that you see in the Freight Tech 25. And this is this relate to when I asked that, do you want to talk about that in, for the last three years or do you want to just talk for th- this year? Well, I'll talk through this year, but there are a couple trends in this year that do attach to previous years. And the overwhelming first one is that the Amazon and P44 have been number one and two for each of the three years. Convoy has been number three for two out of the three years. So those three, Amazon, Project 44, and Convoy, have really dominated the medal-winning plateaus of this award. So number one, two, and three. All right. So talk a little bit about Amazon, not in terms of, you know, with anyone listening goes, oh, I buy stuff from Amazon. Talk a little bit about them in terms of the logistics. Right. I mean, they've completely changed the way that consumers understand and think about the delivery of goods, or they've completely changed our understanding. No longer, very rarely can people get away with six, seven day shipping. It just doesn't work anymore. People are accustomed to two day shipping. Amazon has set that standard and they were only able to do that by investing heavily in their own tech, by creating their own network. I mean, they've even got their own freight brokerage, their freight brokerage right now. They're trying to ramp that up and move more non-Amazon freight. I mean, their innovation is undeniable because of their scale and their ability to change consumers' behavior. Yeah, and they have a ton. I just saw this. I just saw on LinkedIn, I'm not going to be able to quote the right number, but they just hit a milestone in terms of numbers of trailers, and it was a huge amount. Yeah, it's thousands, you know, 10,000. Yeah, I thought it was 30,000. <laughs> yeah, and they're only growing. I mean, that's what they're planning on leveraging, almost creating drop ship yards outside of Amazon fulfillment centers and just creating drop and hook. And they're building out their trailer pool to do so. Yeah, Mr. Bezos is going to be okay if he keeps it up. He's going to do well. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, well, Elon Musk is on the tail. Elon jumped to the number two richest person in the world yesterday. He's on Bezos' tail for sure. Yep. So, talk a little bit about Project 44. Project 44 has done just an incredible job in the telematics space and the connecting space, the API space. They've continually been, and they're also a dominant market share player, right? So when it comes to market share, they are by far, of these three companies, if you were to break down their specific market verticals, they have the highest market share of any of the three. And they just continually create new features and new integrations with more companies, and they just make life easier. So talk a little bit about Convoy for just a second before we jump to the next trend. Well, they've one of the biggest things is they've raised a lot of money, right? So they have a lot of money to be able to invest and do research and development and grow their market share. And if you talk to if you talk to drivers that use Convoy or you, and the same thing with Uber Freight, they fell this year. But any of these digital freight matching or digital freight marketplaces, drivers love them. They get their detention pay. 
especially new drivers that haven't been in the industry long. They typically love these companies and they would rather use Convoy or Uber Freight over some of the other apps because they make sure to get their detention pay, they pay on time, and they can get loads pretty much anytime they want. And Convoy's been able to scale at a pace that is very impressive and they've, they've remained on top for the last three years. You know, like I said, they've been number three each of the last two years. Yeah, they definitely earned that ranking. And I just recently had them on my podcast. I was very impressed with what they're up to. And I think what was very interesting is if you use their app for drivers, they pay you the next day without a factoring fee or anything. So it's very impressive. So if you're a driver, you're starting saying, why wouldn't I want to work with them? So very impressive company. So exactly. those guys, Amazon Project 44 and Convoy, they stayed at the top of the top of the rankings for the last few years. So what's another trend that you see out there? Well, one of the big trends I noticed this year is that there's kind of some steam being taken out of the autonomous trucking engine, so to say. It's a very CapEx heavy industry and it has a really long news cycle. You know, you don't hear news from them, but maybe once or twice a year. They're typically big news that they had just created or that they had just done an entire practice run from LA to Dallas or something like that in the, in the case of Too Simple, but it just doesn't happen all that often. And then on top of that, since it's so expensive to do so, we've seen multiple companies that were even in the top 25 over the last couple of years not make it and go under. One of them, the big one being Starsky Robotics. They didn't. They were in the top 25 list this year and didn't even make it to another funding round and eventually went under. We still have one company, or I guess technically two because Tesla's up there, but Ike Robotics, they're the only you know pure play autonomous trucking company that made the top 25 this year. Yeah, you know, I'm here in Detroit and I'm an automotive guy. Originally, I was a product engineer for many years. And yeah, the product development cycle for anything new is long. And, you know, typically the way you create new vehicles is you don't bring in new technology. You have that new technology proven out on the shelf. So we haven't proven all that stuff all the way out yet. So it's it's hard to, <laughs> to your point, it's hard to have a lot of news when you're just in the skunk works. Yeah, I mean, typically your news is just raising more money. Like, for example, Too Simple today just raised another $350 million. If you don't raise that money, you can't make it to the next round. I mean, that's just, that's what, that's the problem with Starsky. They just couldn't get that next round of funding to give them more runway. Interesting. So what's another trend that you want to talk about today? I think there's two sides of a coin here, but there's me and Craig both agree that there's kind of diminishing marginal returns to innovation, right? So as you get bigger, it becomes more and more difficult to keep making big splashes. Uh, so we've seen, you know, some of the massive companies like FedEx fell 10 spots this year, and then Uber Freight and Keep Trucking both fell nine and seven spots respectively. And I think this particularly for the two latter companies that I noted, Uber and Keep Trucking, they're no longer young players. They're no longer burning cash just to gain market share at any rate. They're now focused on profitability. And that's not exactly as, as sexy or as innovative as being able to just roll out new features and roll out new products every six months. So there are diminishing marginal returns to the innovation that you can come and bring as a big company. Right. Well, you look at Amazon, that tells you how impressive they are that they're able to stay at the top of this list as big as they already are. So the issue to your point, they have to just read the splashes have to be big. Incremental improvement at Amazon doesn't make front page news. Yeah, precisely. Interesting. So what's another trend you want to talk about? Yeah, so the, the another one is something that I mentioned earlier, and that's warehouse automation or robotics have finally made a splash. So we saw Six River Systems make it into the top 25 this year. That's very impressive. I do believe they're the first of any of the kind of pure play robotics companies to make it into the top 25 over the last three years. So that's a big thing. I mean, it's it makes sense, right? We think about COVID, we think about e-commerce and the acceleration of more DCs, more fulfillment centers. They're going to need more automation. And Six Rivers is one of the best players in the industry. They got bought by Shopify last year for almost $500 million. So they're a very important player to one of the biggest e-commerce fulfillments in the world. 
Yeah. And, you know, during this COVID era, and if you're listening to this a year later, maybe it makes less sense. But during this COVID era, I've talked to a lot of fulfillment companies and they all are struggling with manpower. People, some people were sick or felt at high risk or their kids were home from school or they were just getting a check from the government. Whatever the reason, they stayed home. And I talked to some people who had 30% absenteeism on a given day in their fulfillment center. I talked to another person who said 20%. So they're missing a lot of heads. And when you think about this business of e-commerce growing like a weed and at the same time, manpower being an issue. So I don't blame the people for saying, hey, what sort of automation can I get to help me out here? Yeah, I mean, that's one of the reasons we think about why Amazon keeps staying at the top. One of their reasons is they've invested so heavily in warehouse automation and robotics with the, the Kiva system they bought a couple years ago for hundreds of millions of dollars to a couple other more recent acquisitions that they've made. Warehouse automation is completely necessary. You're going to need robots, especially if these warehouses, if you have a lot of them and if they're very spread out and huge. So, Awesome. This is, these are great. Thank you so much, Andrew. So what about some of the legacy players? I saw some big companies on that list. I saw C.H. Robinson and others like them. We'll talk about those. Yeah, that was kind of the two sides of the diminishing marginal return to innovation, right? Is that we have seen that for a lot of other players, especially for some of the younger players that have grown very fast, like Uber Freight or Keep Trucking. But we've also seen some of the legacy players, some of the older companies in the industry, some of the real industry dominators like XBO, JB Hunt, and C.H. Robinson have continually proven themselves in the top 10. XBO jumped eight spots this year. I think they landed at, I can't remember exactly where they landed, but they jumped eight spots, which is very impressive. You know, everybody talks about XBO for its roll-up strategy for Brad Jacobs being the great acquirer, but they invest heavily in proprietary technology and have some of the best in the industry. And then another huge company is Daimler. They jumped 10 spots this year. They surged. And I think there's two big parts to that surge. One of them is the partnership and investment in platform science. Platform science has a very good reputation in the industry. They're also in the top five this year. I think they landed at number four. They've been in the top 10 each of the last two years. They have a very good reputation for innovation in this industry. And Daimler's partnered with them so that all of their new trucks, all the new uh, Navispheres, all their new trucks will have uh, platform science tech inside of it. And then another one, they just did their most recent deal with Waymo to try to ramp up the development of autonomous trucks. So I think those two stories are the big one for Daimler. Yeah. And I was just, you mentioned C.H. Robinson was on that list also as one of those big players. I was just spent some time up in Minnesota with uh, maybe a year or two ago. And I was so impressed with what I saw from their technology center. I mean, they have a beautiful campus up there, but the amount of people working on the new technology was incredible. And, you know, when I think my own thoughts about C.H. Robinson was, I expected to see a whole bunch of people just making phone calls, you know, if there's huge phone yeah. breaks. Not so. I mean, I'm sure they have some of that still going on. They had a lot of people. It's a big company, but they look like Google when I was walking through their building. Yeah, they certainly do have a brokerage floor, but CH, they get a bad reputation, I think, in the industry. People say, oh, it's CH. They still run 70% of their freight through phones and it's still man-powered. But that's not the case. I think at least two-thirds, maybe 70 or 80% of their stuff runs through Navisphere without any human interaction at all. So they've invested heavily in technology as well. I remember two years ago, they announced they were going to spend a hundred or they were going to spend a billion dollars over the next decade. They've already invested multiple tens of millions to make that happen, to get closer to that goal. And 
they've got some great engineers. They've hired, they, I remember when they made that announcement of a billion dollar investment, they also said they were going to be hiring out like another 150 engineers. And we're going to get to how you get into the Freight Tech 25 or 100 at the end of this conversation, but hiring engineers is a good idea. Right. I got to say, so to talk about your misperceptions, and I even told them I work closely with them on a project, is I always thought of them as a lot of transactional freight, a lot of smiling and dialing. And then when I got to know their team, they said, we used to be much more transactional. They said more and more of the market moved towards wanting contractual or strategic partners. And they said, so we adjusted. So I think they're like, I probably could be misquoted here, but I think there's 70% of their business is more like contracted as opposed to the spot or the transaction business. So, which lends itself, obviously, if you're going to use the technology, you're going to do more of that contract work. So, impressive. These are all impressive companies. Obviously, I wouldn't make the list otherwise. So, the next one I wanted to talk about was on this list was our buddies over at Baton IO. Talk a little bit about them. Yeah, probably the biggest surprise and the most impressive move in this ranking this year was Baton. I mean, they're a brand new company. They're less than two years old. They have jumped all the way up to the number 13 this year on the list. And I think What's important to remember here is that you can make a big splash and climb the list very quickly. We saw the same thing with Uber Freight a couple of years ago and some others from the first year of the list is that very new companies within their first two or three years of being created were able to jump very high in the list or start very high on the list. And that's the case here with Baton, a very impressive company. I know the founders, they've been through Freight Waves a couple of times. They are, uh, they're very intelligent young men and they've got a great idea. I think the idea for these kind of trailer pooling yards outside of the major freight hubs is way behind. We should have had this years ago. Right. Uh, but it's a good idea. And the one in LA seems to be working very well and, and people are very impressed by it. Yeah. Uh, what I'll do is I'll, I just interviewed Eric Moline from Baton. I'll put a link to that interview in this podcast notes. So if anyone wants to learn more, but I was super impressed with what Eric told. I know Eric from when he worked at Carrier Direct, which also made your list. And I think he's worked at LoadSmart too. He's been on a lot of these Freight Tech 25. So I was really impressed with what they're up to. It just, it, Boy, as soon as he told me what he was doing or what they were doing, I was like, of course, why wasn't this done years ago? So very innovative. So the last thing you wanted to talk about on the themes and trends was visibility. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, it's just, this is overall, we've done a bunch of surveys throughout the year to both shippers and carriers, you know, about what COVID has done to their operations and, and what has become more important, less important. And visibility has been a, uh, a resounding, more important variable so far this year due to COVID-19. And that is, that shows up in the top 25 as well. Four Kites was just outside the top 10 at number six this year. So, and then they're a huge visibility player. So it's just an over, they're the only pure play visibility. Actually, they got Samsara is up there as well, but some of the ELD and visibility players, we saw them make it up into the top 25 this year. And that's just on the back of COVID making visibility even more important. Yeah, you know, we talked a little bit offline, Andrew. When we talk, people talk about visibility. Everybody uses the word, and I just described it as me saying I work out, but I don't work out like a Navy SEAL or a professional athlete. I just, I'm, I'm very casual compared to any of those guys, and that's I feel the same way about visibility. Everybody says that oh, we have a visibility tool or we do visibility, but some do it really well, and some do it more like I work out compared to the SEALs. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, correct. I mean, you know, some of these companies you can have, you can know exactly where your trailer is at any given moment through a, a beautiful UI platform that shows you how fast it's moving. It can show you the hard brakes, how the driver, it can give you driver demographics and driver statistics on how the driver is driving his truck. I mean, they can get down to very uh, minute details of the visibility. And then other people will just say, hey, your truck is somewhere in Tennessee. 
And that's the big issue here. If you want to, if you want to crack the top 25 or the top 100, you've got to get on a much more granular level and have that information be transparent and easily accessible through APIs that can just connect straight to your customers. Yep. And so I know we have, you know, one way you get visibility is you download an app on the phone and you can be tracked to track that phone wherever it goes. And I know other ways they do it is through the ELDs where, you know, they get it, I guess, code in the ELD. And then when the driver's driving your load, they turn that on and they can be tracked. Is there another way? Those are the two ways I know of that you can get a track a truck. Yeah, I mean, I guess they have, you know, they have GPS tracking in some oh, of the yeah, trailers yeah, yeah. now. Yeah, that's true. That would be the third way. But beyond that, I think that's pretty much the three ways, you know, the ELD, the phone, and trailer tracking GPS units. I think that's pretty much it. Yeah, it's going to continue to grow, and I think we'll see. They'll be on your list next year. You know that. <laughs> Certainly. So this is great. I appreciate you taking us through some of these themes. So how does a company go about getting into the Freight Tech 25 or the Freight Tech 100, which is an honor all by itself? How, does some, how, many, how do you go about doing that? And I don't mean the nomination process. I mean more about what sort of work you have to do. I think beyond that, there's some other stuff we can talk about, but what kind of actions do they need to take to make that list? Well, I think there's two distinct things that you need to do. One is you have to be innovative. You have to have, you have to invest in engineers and have, you have to keep your foot on the pedal of innovation and make sure that you're continually rolling out new features and products and, and offerings to your customers. And then on the other side, you also have to, it's not equally important, but it's almost important to have evangelizers of what you're doing. You have to be able to make your advancements and your technology easily accessible and easily readable and understandable to the rest of the market, which is not easy to do. It's, it takes a very skilled marketer to explain these data silos and how bringing your data together is going to improve your utilization and productivity. That's a difficult task and it takes a really strong and skilled marketer to do so. So you need those as well. They're important. And then on top of that, you also have to work with external media companies. You know, it's, I'm not trying to toot Freightwaves' horn that working with us is going to help you because it's not. But working with companies is also a way to evangelize what you do, getting out right. content around your new tech. Right. So they're not going to be able to come to Chattanooga and convince all the Freightways people that this is fantastic if it's not, in fact, fantastic. So you have to do exactly. work, obviously. You're not on the list because you impress Freightways. You're on the list because Freightways was impressed by what you did. <laughs> you know? well, and beyond that, you're on the list. Freightways, once we whittle it down to 100, the list is out of our hands. Right. We no longer are involved and nobody from Freightways is involved in that voting and judging panel. It's all external people from the industry. So it's not us you have to impress. It's everyone else. No, I guess my point is like, you have to do the work. You have to do the, the innovation work before you should bother with the media work, right? Yes, yes, agreed. And then you know, beyond that is the actual nomination process. This is something that people forget. They, you know, they just expect someone else to nominate them because they've been doing good things for their customers. You can nominate yourself. That's not, we don't look down on anybody that nominates themselves. It doesn't give you any benefit for your customer to nominate you other than the fact of that customer might be able to write a real and a better review of your product than you would be able to because you're going to be you know, spewing out marketing content, which, right. is, which is not always the best thing to do. But you have to have a good nomination. What you submit to us is what we aggregate and then send off to the judges if you make it to the 100. So that's a very important point as well. Yeah, you know, not just saying this to be nice, Freightways belongs on this list because when you talk about innovation, you guys really innovated the way media was done in this business. And I've said this before. I do. I'm a podcaster. I've had Freightways people, I think, on my podcast seven or eight times, and I'd love to do it even a lot more than that. And it seems as if anybody 
who is doing anything important in this business realizes they have to kind of get involved with freight waves to get the word out. And also the people who seem to follow freight waves are tend to skew more techie and tend to skew younger. And I would say the innovators in the space. Yeah, I mean, I think that just comes with the way that we approach it. We don't approach it from this old white man perspective that this industry has been driven by for a long time. We try to take a fresh look at it and do our best to highlight every corner of the industry because there's, you know, there's a, there's people working in this industry that are not the industry is no longer just your grandfather's trucking company. There's a lot of very intelligent and techie people as you said working in this industry and they need to be highlighted just as much as everyone else. So we do our best to to spread the love to companies in every sector. Yeah, yeah. Trust me, I, I learn about a lot of these companies that are doing great things by watching that Freight Tech 25, watching just listening to Freight Waves podcasts. So you guys are a media juggernaut that keeps us all informed. And, you know, I've had some of these companies on my podcast in at Flexport on. I'm super impressed with what they're doing in freight forwarding. Uh, yes. Uh, at Turbo on my podcast a few times. And what they're doing in this, I'll call them beyond TMS, is super impressive. I mean, Lean Staffing was on my podcast and a brand new business model. I mean, it, what they're doing, what these companies are doing is so impressive. And it's not just hey, we did something that was done 25 years ago, but we did it 5% better. No, they really started uh, you know, with a fresh sheet of paper saying, how can I add value? And some other li- people on the list who have had my podcast, like Carrier Direct, same thing. I mean, that company didn't exist 20 years ago, and look what they're doing now. I mean, it's crazy. So, yeah, everybody on that list is a go-getter and very impressive company. So, I mean, it's a perfect point that you make is that these companies weren't around, that these type of companies weren't around just 10 or 15 years ago. And that's because we're still really early in this cycle. It's still the second or third inning of this digitization, automation, revolution of this industry. You know, a lot of this industry is still done through spreadsheets and email and handshakes. And that's no longer going to be the case in the next, you know, decade or so. Yeah, absolutely. Andrew, thank you so much. Before we wrap this up, I want to talk, uh, please kind of give us uh, some final thoughts on this topic. I know it's a huge topic. Give us some final thoughts. Then I want to talk a little bit about freight waves before we sign off. Well, my final thoughts are that this is a very important thing that we do. And I'm very happy and proud to be a part of it. And everyone does. People, the companies that do get nominated, they wear that badge that we give them as if it's a, you know, an award from the president. It is a very important thing. And the, the, the industry. Websites. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, you see it in the email signatures and everything else. People really care about this award because it takes a lot of effort. It is not easy for me to do this and for our judges to get this award done, but it's very fun and it's, uh, it's rewarding to do so. And then, you know, my final thoughts are that you got to invest in engineers and evangelizers. I've said that twice now, but both of those things are equally important. And then again, it's the third inning. We're really young in this process. We're going to have subsectors of this industry that haven't even been created yet that are going to be on the list in three or four years from now. That will happen. There's going to be completely new things. I mean, this year, well, I guess this is actually a theme that I didn't think of, but blockchain has fallen off this year. A lot of the blockchain kind of buzz dies with the price of Bitcoin, but we had no blockchain companies this year, no blockchain pure plays on there. So that's going to be another thing that likely impacts this industry in a major way over the next five or six years. Yeah, you know, that's one of those things, though, if you look at just the stock market in general, just look at technology in general, sometimes these things kind of, it's not a linear progression from, you know, startup to, you know, rocket ship. And for many, many years, people discounted what Amazon was, right? They looked at it and go, yeah, it's great. But look, they lose money hand over fist every year. They just keep reinvesting. It's going nowhere. All they do is lose money. And then one day, (laughs) I mean, so we all heard of it. We just were like wondering 
when are they going to learn to run a business? Well, they figured that out. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, very quickly. So, Andrew, before we go, what's new over at Freight Waves that we should know about besides the Freight Tech 25 and the Freight Tech 100? Yeah, so I got two things for you. One is our next virtual event, which is super exciting. It is a partnership with NASA and some other space companies. We're going to do something focused on the logistics of space. So it's called Space Waves. It happens Thursday, December 3rd. And I've got some incredible conversations coming up during that virtual event. So I'm going to be interviewing a systems engineer from NASA named Sidney Doe. He is basically the the lead manager of the Mars Sample Return Mission, which is scheduled to launch in 2026, which is going to go and retrieve Mars samples that the Perseverance is going to be dropping all over the lunar surface. It's going to pick those up and bring them back to Earth. So it'll be the first kind of test mission of actually bringing something back from Mars to Earth. So that's super exciting. Nice. I'm going to talk about the logistics of that project. And then I'm also going to have on Ron Epstein, who is a Bank of America analyst. This is for my show, Great Quarter Guys. We do this weekly on Tuesdays and then also do it during the virtual events whenever we have them. And so we're going to do this next Thursday during the virtual event. Or yeah. Thursday after, I can't remember, whenever the third is, we're going to do, we're going to have Ron Epstein on, and he is probably the most bullish analyst on Wall Street for the space tourism companies. So he loves Virgin Galactic. He has a price target that was 2x where it was about a month ago. So we're going to talk about his thoughts on the valuation and why he likes Virgin Galactic so much and what is the value of space tourism moving into the next couple of years. So that's Space Waves. It's going to be super exciting. It's a free event. Everybody tune in to learn about the logistics of space and understand a little bit more about how we're going to travel throughout the solar system. And then my biggest thing that I'm doing these days is a brand new division that we kind of rolled out here at FreightWaves called Communities. And this is us trying to create tailor-made content for certain subsectors of the supply chain. So mine is focused on the retail supply chain. It's first iteration or its first kind of piece of information is this newsletter that I write on Mondays and Thursdays called Point of Sale. And Point of Sale, you know, where we're at right now, I don't know if you've ever heard of Morning Brew, Joe, but there's, you know, the retail side of things has been changing for the last 20 years. A lot of it because of Amazon and because of e-commerce, but it's become cool. And media companies like Axios and Morning Brew, and they're, they're covering retail in this cool, hip, fresh way. But the supply chain is also going through a lot of evolution. And it's not getting covered in that way. It's getting covered in a very old school, traditional way that's just not very fun and entertaining. So we're trying to bridge that gap. And point of sale is my first effort at trying to do that. So we're trying to cover the retail supply chain in a cool and hip way. And you're going to get e-commerce on that too, right? Yes, of course. I mean, uh, you couldn't do retail without e-commerce these days. Retail, you know, a quarter of retail spending is not on. Sometimes I see people separate e-commerce like it's a separate from retail. And I was like... Well, let me tell you why you can't do that. Because Target is fulfilling 95% of its e-commerce orders through its stores. Right. So it's a beautiful blend that some companies are able to do with their omni-channel offerings. And so you can't separate the two any longer. You know, you could when you had, when it was Amazon versus Walmart and Target. But now it's not so much like that. Now the two are becoming more and more like each other every day. Amazon's opening brick and mortar stores and Target and Walmart are growing their e-commerce at 100% year over year. Yeah, absolutely. And it's an exciting time. And it's funny, you just mentioned it, Andrew, there was Amazon versus the traditional retail model. It won't be long before it's just kind of a mishmash where you go, there is no old model. There is no e-commerce. Everybody's both. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be omni-channel versus e-commerce or omni-channel versus direct-to-consumer. That's going to be the argument now. Right. So what I'm going to do, Andrew, I'll I'll put a link to, would you say, Space Waves. I'll also put a a link in the show notes to the retail supply chain newsletter that you're creating. And I think probably should look out for more stuff on that topic from you, right? 
Sure. Yeah, we're going to be ramping that up here. I'm not sure when, but right now it's only a two days a week newsletter. I, eventually, I'd like to get it. You know, I'd like to drive demand to the point where a daily newsletter is warranted, as well as podcasts and video content. So there's going to be a lot more coming to this retail community because th- this is a broader thing in the retail community. Point of sale is just our first kind of iteration at that community. But definitely go and take a look at it. I think you guys will really enjoy it. I look at a lot of the news and try to take a supply chain angle at any of the big news stories and then also come at it with proprietary data from Sonar as well as some of our survey data. So you're going to get a lot of stuff that you cannot get anywhere else on FreightWaves or elsewhere there in point of sale. So go and sign up. Excellent. I know why we'll sign up and I will put it in links to all these things in the show notes. And Andrew, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me about Freight Tech 100 and the Freight Tech 25. No problem, Joe. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. And thanks to all the people who listen to my podcast. Your support is very much appreciated. Till next time, Onward and Upward. You've been listening to the Logistics of Logistics podcast, where we engage in conversations with experts in the logistics field. If you're an expert and would like to be featured on the Logistics of Logistics podcast, please email Joe Lynch at joe at the logisticsoflogistics.com. 